Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 520, December 16th, 2020. It was 58 degrees on this day in 1939 and 22 below in 1876. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Are you aware of the uh, snowstorm on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's being brought to us with such hysteria that I don't know if it'll prove to be uh, a landmark winter storm, but I'm, I'm not to wish anyone harm and not to delay the deliveries of vaccines and not for anyone to lose power. But a great winter storm at least would be something refreshing in the news compared to what we face day after day after day. Uh, again, I, I don't, I'm not wishing ill for anyone, but geez, it would take our minds off uh, so many things to have a good old nor'easter. So I, I have a question regarding this. And maybe I've been asleep at the wheel here, but when did we start naming winter storms? That's a good one. This is Gale, I believe. Did, is that a Gale. recent thing? Because I yes, we never used to name storms. Okay, <laughs> Are you kidding me? We might have yeah, always named we, we might as well we might have named hurricanes for a long time, but I don't think we've named winter storms for a long time. Got it. No, it just started. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to be joined by Bill Dolman, news director at KOMO-TV, the ABC affiliate in Seattle that did the splendid documentary called uh, Fighting for the Soul of Seattle. Is that the correct title? Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me double-check that. The Fight for the Soul of Seattle. And as we've noted, uh, it, it could be done uh, in, in many areas. In fact, I got a note... Uh, uh, do I, oh, please let me have it right here. Uh, oh, shoot. Is this it? Oh. You and the boys were saying today that they should have a documentary like this about every big city in the country. KOMO did do another story that included what is happening in L.A. and San Francisco. Towards the end, Dr. Drew says that because of the homeless problem in L.A., medieval diseases like typhoid and bubonic plague are resurfacing. So it's not just the drugs and failed politicians killing cities. A disease that killed only 25 million is returning. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. That's great. To, to ask Dolman about that. That's great. Uh, to set up many things today, uh, I want to tip my hat to uh, uh, Kirsten, is it Swanson? Kirsten Swanson? Yes, yes. Uh, Channel 5, ABC, our local Channel 5 uh, news. And she, for some reason, and hats off to her, she got nine minutes with... Uh, Two city council members on their views of transforming uh, public safety. She got, uh, who did she get? She got Philippe Cunningham and uh, Steve Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, uh, it, it, it rested the old adage about keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool rather than open it and reveal, re- reveal the truth. And it it might be a it might be an example of why these people are unavailable to the media, because once these two people are see this, they're going to be. I, I gotta believe. 
I got to believe they'd never go back on the air. Uh, there's a particular point where Philippe Cunningham was asked a question by uh, Kirsten. Why don't you play that part? What is the tool? Well, I would argue taking work off their plate so they can focus That's Fletcher. Uh, their right. law enforcement okay. activity on uh, the crimes that we actually need them focused on. We want them to be able to be smart, have those uh, resources focused, and then be able to have other systems that help be able to keep people safer in more appropriate That's ways. Cunningham what talking. What do you think is the police chief's role? Here we go. The police chief's Philippe role Cunningham. is to be able to have a vision of what it means for us to have a strong um, focus on what should police be focusing on. Chief uh, Madeira Arredondo made his focus clear to city leaders last month. I'm talking about what is necessary today in this city, and we need extra resources. Um, this city is experiencing unprecedented crime. Arredondo pleaded for additional funding to bring in help from other departments to combat rising crime, a request that both Fletcher and Cunningham voted against, but that ultimately passed. Do you fear that that move and your argument against giving him that money specifically looks like you're undermining his authority and his expert advice on what's happening in our city right now? I'll let you take that one. Uh, well, so what I would like you to respond also, since you were you were a driver behind that argument during that committee meeting. But so uh, first, it's worth noting. Uh, that we made the argument that that proposal didn't have enough detail, that it wasn't telling us what we were funding. The role of the chief is to manage the police department within the framework of the policy guidelines set out by elected leaders through a democracy. But as the leader, he's the expert in police, wouldn't you agree? The chief is the expert in implementing public safety. Whoever is running the police department is not the only expert around public safety. We have huh? policy decisions okay, to stop. tell these professionals what stop. the goal is. Yep. Can you go back to where she asked Philippe Cunningham? So that they can Whoops, I'm sorry. What is the role of the police chief? He he has utterly no idea what he's talking about. Give me zero one yeah. second yeah. here. I think I got it. Okay and then be able to have other systems that help no, be able you, to no, keep people safer no, in more appropriate ways. What do you think is the police chief's role in that? Thank the you. police chief's role is to be able to have a vision of what it means for us to have a strong um, focus on what should police be focusing on. Chief Madeira. What? Okay. Wait a minute. God gets... help us. God huh? help us. I'm serious. God help us. Uh, that is the most empty-headed gibberish you, you're, you're going to get, and what, what did you expect? He's, he's transgender. I think he's the first transgender city council person in the world or something, and it's always important to be the first. That's germane to this because he certainly uh, uh, boasts of that on all sites you refer to to find Philippe Cunningham. Uh, he is not competent and qualified in any, by any stretch of the imagination to comment on the role of a police chief. He has no earthly idea. But he is so uh, consumed with the babble of the salon that asked a point-blank question, what is the role of the police chief? He can't formulate the words. He can't put the words together. It's just utter incompetent nonsense. It's a shame. This, he has the seat that was held by Barb Johnson. I don't know what mm -hmm. voters saw in him to think he was 
and I'm not singling him out. I find fault with every single city council member in Minneapolis. But what what did the voters find appealing in this fellow? What? <laughs> I, I, I can't answer it because I don't get it either. But the same question could be asked for all of our city uh, councilmen. That's why I say I'm not, I'm not singling him out. I, they're all, yeah. this, is, this is the answer you'd get from all of them. But I think, A non-answer. I think so many people now have become such uninformed voters that they're looking at things like, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar is the first, you know, th- that's more important to the vast majority of voters in our country. Yes, identity policy. identity politics is trumping competence. Yes, no, co- you, no question. And you couldn't see it any clearer than this young fellow's, I think fellow is the right word, right? He's, he was dressed in a male outfit. Uh, play it again, just so GLers understand what we're dealing with here and keep in mind this is true of anyone on a city council the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings the very lifeblood of america's urban centers are in danger because of this we keep people safer in more appropriate ways what do you think is the police chief's role in that the police chief's role is to be able to have a vision of what it means for us to have a strong um, focus on what should police be focusing on. Chief Madeira. What? Hold on, he gets. Groin kick him. I don't understand. There's there's nothing to understand. He didn't say anything. Yeah. He talked in circles that gets approved by the salon. It's meaningless to us. It's meaningless. Hang tight there, couple. God Almighty! I, I'm I can see now why these people don't want to talk to the press. They have they they must know deep down that they're idiots. <laughs> they just well, must know. You know how dumb I used to be. Well, he's not better now. No. <laughs> well, I had to text that to Rook last night. Remember how dumb I used to be? Right. I'm better. Now. I'm better now. Yeah, it's uh, nothing well, about yeah. his uh, Joe. Nothing about his life and past career. Uh, there isn't one. Him. I looked it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm he was born. Uh, she was more. born in Illinois. Uh, right. Apparently, was a special ed teacher for a while, but then quickly uh, got drawn into public life in in uh, meaningless, inconsequential ways. And now here right. he is. Here he is. So, right. It's just a shame. It's just a shame. Uh, and he dismissed all of us that disparaged 2040 as uh, merely seeking to protect their bungalow neighborhoods. Merely. The word merely there really irritates me. <laughs> I, what, um, what? I don't understand that. Yeah, so you're wrong for wanting to protect your neighborhood? Yeah, it's, we it's, want to keep... Go ahead. It's, it's a dynamic of the salon. Wow. And I'm not uh, not exaggerating here that single family home ownership is thought to be un, unfair that you are uh, you are too you are too privileged if you have a single family home in a well kept single family home neighborhood and we're here to change that so a developer could buy Kenny's house and turn it into a triplex if he wanted to 
That's what you're facing. That's what you're facing. That's what you're facing in the 2040 plan. The very idea of neighborhoods uh, strikes these activists as antithetical to what they're trying to bring about, which, again, is this false creation of equity, this false assignment of equity, this false assignment of equal outcomes. So you've worked your ass off all your life and you got a big house in the Minnehaha Parkway. That's a target for them because that represents a systemic failure of you, the creator of that house, to have not provided for the people who can't have that house. But what, what I don't understand is their lack of understanding that each one of those houses, single family dwellings, pay property tax. That's right. <laughs> and that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And they're going to replace it with a big giant dwelling where nobody pays property, unless well, the, they're the, the developer of course. Would, the developer would, apparently. But, but yeah, but still. Yeah, Single-family dwellings, that's guaranteed income for the state and city and state. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I just think that I, I don't know how far down this road we wish to go every day because I don't think we've left any questions unanswered. These are incompetent, incompetent people, not fit to run a city with a billion-dollar budget. They're, but they how do they we have get, no experience. How do we get that word out beyond GLers? Yeah. I mean, Rook has said it many times. We're preaching to the choir. You know, this is the reverend turning to his right and looking at the choir. And, you know, come on. How do we spread? How do we convince our neighbors of this? I do think the, the voters of this. Don't you get the impression, though, that outside of the presidential election, a lot of people's eyes were opened by what what's taken place during the pandemic? What do you mean? In, in I think regard? a lot of people have turned on walls that otherwise would have voted for him. Kenny, yeah. can, you, can you look up the, the, the number of votes Philippe Cunningham received in the fourth ward? Uh, I presume his, the last election for him might have been 2018. Uh, but that's a heavily populated area uh, on the northern uh, side, the northern quarter of Minneapolis. And there's thousands and thousands of people who live there. And I think another problem is we might discover that you know, he, he's holding this council seat having gotten, you know, 2,800 votes or something. Right. I, don't know, I don't know what the election results were for the fourth ward. But if you Googled that, uh, it might open our eyes as to, uh, A, either not many people voted or, B, uh, the people who did vote uh, voted strictly for identity politics and thought it would be marvelous to have the first trans- transgender uh, a person on the city council. Hey, really quick, Joe. Speaking of, aren't there a couple of others though who are transgendered? On the, uh, on the oh yeah, uh, isn't Andrea yeah. Jenkins? Andrea Jenkins and Andrea's. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why Philippe is billed as the first. I don't know. Uh, by the way, quickly speaking of uh, Governor Walls, you, yesterday, Joe, you had mentioned your favorite uh, bar, Alibi uh, Drinkery. Which yeah, is, Alibi, Alibi Drinkery, yeah, and, which uh, is alibi, but that's alibi, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, KSTP reporter Alex Jokic is up there right now. Yeah, that bar reopened at eleven this morning, and it's completely packed. Really? Yep. Ugh. Where is that in Lakeville? Uh, where is that? That is, darn it. I it, was, I it was yeah, Lakeville. you're right, Lakeville, Minnesota. Lakeville, Minnesota. 150 businesses are opening today. Yeah. Uh, so I've got yet, it here, Joe. Yeah, please. Uh, Barb received 48.3, Philippe 
for a total votes uh, total vote of 2,605, uh, compared to Barb's of 2,430. Is that 2018? 2017. 2017. That's a tight, tight race. Yeah. And and Barb was the only semblance of remote garage logicianship on the city council. <laughs> Remember, we would sometimes have our differences with Barb. Right. And what would we do? We'd call her up and have her on right this minute, and she would get on the air and debate with us, and it was wonderful. Well, it's and even better than that, Kenny. Often she just called us. Yes, yes. <laughs> Either to, to correct us or defend herself or whatever. And we had a lot of disagreements with her, but, you know, she was accessible and she could debate and uh, she understand both sides of the issue. And, oh, my goodness, she was wonderful. Here's the other thing, uh, and this is dangerous. It's a dangerous uh, thought to have, but uh, I have no interest in talking to, to Philippe Cunningham, or just insert the name of any city council member. Right, and right. here's why, here's why. Uh, they are not to be reasoned with. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their yep. wokeness, their wokeness is not to be reasoned with, and in fact would be enforced wokeness. The, if you talk to somebody like Philippe Cunningham, you had best agree with him because he's not capable of agreeing with you. Yeah. I have no interest in talking to these people. There's nothing to be learned. Wouldn't it be? They are, a, they are a cancer on the public process because they are incompetent. Wouldn't it be great to get Barb's thoughts on what's going on in the city council right now? Fire her up, baby. Do you know her number? I, I don't, don't, actually. Uh, rookie. Get a hold of Rookie. Uh, and to back up what you just said, Joe, you're so right because when – People disparage or uh, talk against Minneapolis 2040. What he does is just summarily dismisses us as being, you know, protective of our bungalow neighborhoods. <laughs> right, right. You, you know, there's no debate. There's no discussion. It's just a, a, just a dismissal of us. It's amazing. You know, it's white privilege. Mm-hmm. To own a home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to own a home. Well... It's the American dream the mystery is after. Mm-hmm. The and mystery would just shut down the American dream. Does that stem, stem from a place of jealousy in that maybe they didn't grow up in a stable home and so now it's under attack? Oh, he grew up in, uh, let me go back. And uh, his see. dad was a mechanic and uh, uh, I, I, have, I have no knowledge of his upbringing. Uh, there, there could be some of that, but I think it's more accurately uh, the kind of thinking that results from their exposure to the failed academy. Yeah, the Bachelor uh, of Arts degree right. in Chinese studies. Is that what he had? Yeah. <laughs> DePaul. At DePaul, huh? Yeah. Well, he, he started at uh, the uh, Southern Illinois University of Carbondale, but moved to DePaul. Mm-hmm. Oh, he oh, was the, also started at Mills College. I'm, I don't know what Mills College is, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in Cali. Hmm. The 2040 plan is uh, amazing because these are the same people who don't believe we'll even be here in 2040. 
because the climate's going to fall apart. Well, we only, have, we only have 15 years, don't we? Isn't That's that right. what... Uh, 10 to 15, depending some, on who you talk to. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, well, before I get to the next thing, which yeah. is a, a very interesting link, I want to remind people that at EcoFund Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake... GLers are getting a hell of a deal. If you're not a GLer, tell them you are. Tell them you are. Because from now until Christmas, they're offering all GLers an additional $200 off the year-end sale prices of all Bentelli scooters and e-bikes. So lie if you have to. Well, oh yeah, I love that second. garage logic. I love that Wait a second. <laughs> We're not on the radio here. Everybody that tunes into us, I'm assuming, is a GLer. Unless oh, they're yeah, spying right. for the other side. That's right. Popstar and Rockstar 750W fat, I think that means watt, fat tire electric bikes at the lowest price ever of $12.99. You're going to get your Garage Logic podcast sticker. Great Yamaha clothing on sale, 20% off through Christmas. You can inquire. I don't know if there's any spots left about winter storage, but you can inquire. But GLers, you are treated like kings at EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. What a great, great place. Uh, what a great Christmas shopping destination. Great youth recreational equipment with uh, youth snowmobiles and ATVs. All those gas-powered scooters where you cheat the man at the gas pump by getting about 75 miles to the gallon, turn every errand into an adventure. You might as well buy now while the prices are going to be the lowest they've ever been all year. And then, uh, you know, put it in your garage or see if Tim can store it. And then enjoy your your, uh, purchases next spring when the weather warms up. Uh, That's EcoFun Motorsports. It's right on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. You have heard me share why I recommend the Canopy Group for your insurance needs. Take a listen to a satisfied Canopy Group customer. Hi, this is Dory Hanson Schlins in Maple Grove. My husband Roger and I just want to say thank you. We've been a Westfield or Canopy Group customer now. I think this is our... Uh, the end of our first year, just paid my uh, insurance premium. You guys are so good. Your service is great. But really, you run things so well. I'm just very happy that we found you. So it's just a big thank you. To be like Dory and have the Canopy Group shop their 16 different options, getting you the best option for your needs, contact the Canopy Group at 800 967 3389 or go online to the com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Ray and Welter Heating and Air Conditioning wants to remind you to support your local restaurants. They are going through the hardest year imaginable, and the holiday season is usually one of their busiest times of the year. And their doors are closed. Well, except for Alibi down in Lakeville, that is. But they're trying to save all the business that they can by offering great takeout food. So it would be nice if you could show your support and order up some food from some fantastic places like, oh, I don't know, how about... (gasps) Yeah, we could make a stop at Doolittle's Woodfire Grill in Golden Valley, uh, P.S. Noodles in Minneapolis, or how about our friends at 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. Speaking of that, Joe, you're in trouble, by the way. What did I do now? Uh, well, I got an email from Carl from Eli. He mm-hmm. said, hey, Reavers. Eli wait, or Ely? From, from where? <laughs> Whoa. 
Did you say you know Eli? You know what that is? That's what we call karma. For Have making, you been to Alibi? For making fun of you pronouncing it Alibi uh, restaurant. So uh, Carl from Ely, Minnesota, says, Hey, Reavers, a short rib pot pie warning is now required for another sponsor's popular item. Today, meaning yesterday, I called to order takeout for my very first 30 bales braised short rib pot pie. Sorry, I was told. We are temporarily sold out. Further, they said, you have Joe to thank for that. Apparently, he showed up this past Saturday and made a double-digit acquisition. Because of the meticulous preparation required for the short ribs, a full 48 hours is required to replenish their stock. Due to travel plans, it will be some time before I'm able to place another order. Maybe I missed the announcement on Friday's podcast, but in any event... We GLers deserve notice, similar to the meatloaf advance for the Grunhofer run. Thank you for your consideration. I think he's right. I think we have to issue a short rib pot pie warning and watch for our friends at 30 Bales Restaurant. So maybe call ahead. Among the four meals, I only got three. That's the equivalent of me buying 10 meatloafs from well, Grunhoffers. All right, all right. Anyway, all right. let's help out these folks, GLers. <laughs> Anything that you can do is going to be greatly appreciated. And also thanks again to Ray and Welter Heating and Air Conditioning for sponsoring our drive to support these great establishments. And if you have any heating needs this holiday season, check them out at welterheating.com. Mr. Mayor, I've taken it upon myself to try and earn extra credit i completed my homework assignment watching the seattle documentary and then went one step further see below perhaps other glers could do the same thing i feel a tsunami of email messages to the minneapolis city council would be a good thing then he copies me ms bender lisa bender i'm contacting you to ask you to watch this video and then forward it to the rest of the minneapolis city council for their review and after everyone has seen this piece I feel a group discussion would be in order. I don't want a mini. I don't want Minneapolis to end up like Seattle. Steve Wickstrom. He gets extra credit. See, he gets an A plus. You flunk because you didn't even finish the documentary. Yeah. But they'll summarily dismiss that. She won't watch it, Kenny. She won't watch no, it. Of course not. No, they'll find flaws with it without even watching it. Two stories that are terribly related. A three-day joint operation between the Minneapolis Police Department and the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office yielded more than 40 carjacking arrests, the departments announced yesterday. The announcement was made at City Hall after a joint force carjacking suppression operation in Minneapolis. The MPD says 391 carjackings have been reported in this city, a 320% increase over the same time. In total, 41 felony arrests were made, as well as nine misdemeanor arrests and confiscation of a pipe bomb. Investigators said the suspects of the carjackings would approach drivers, start a conversation, and then steal purses, cell phones, wallets, and vehicles, sometimes at gunpoint. Minneapolis residents noticed a helicopter circling South Minneapolis for two days last week. Officials confirmed that the helicopter belonged to the Minnesota State Patrol, which was cooperating in the investigation. Chief Madera Arredondo and Hennepin County Sheriff Dave Hutchinson appeared at a news conference yesterday to announce the arrests. Arredondo applauded the joint efforts of the two agencies, saying it couldn't have been done without it as MPD resources were stretched thin in the city. In October, Minneapolis police noticed a sharp increase in carjackings. 
It led the department to create a specific code for carjackings when recording them in the record system. I'll keep that story in mind when you hear about this. And, Kenny, we can't find this in the newspaper, can we? It's not in the Star Tribune, Joe. I don't look at the, uh, I can't get the St. Paul paper here, but. Well, it's a news report, uh, I'm sorry, a news release from the Hennepin County Attorney's Office. Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman announced, uh, this was released yesterday, has announced a list of crimes for which he will no longer request bail. Uh, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said this is the right path and there needs to be a conversation about bail throughout Minnesota. Washington County Attorney Peter Orput said there is no connection between bail and public safety, and he is working on a similar plan with other agencies for his county. Both men were part of the news conference. Freeman said that his office has identified 19 felony crimes, ranging from fifth-degree narcotic crimes to damage to property and mail theft, for which his prosecutors will no longer request bail. That policy will begin January 1st. These crimes are low-level, non-dangerous offenses, Freeman said. What that means to the defendant is that he or she will promise to make all court appearances and follow any other conditions set by the judge. With that, they remain free until their next court hearing. (laughs) Opet said in his career as a prosecutor, he has been able to look at the effect of bail. Cash bail and public safety have nothing to do with each other, Orput said. He gave the example of two men arrested for domestic abuse, a crime we abhor, but they both are arrested and bail is set at $5,000. One of the men can afford bail, the other cannot and remains in jail. Yet there is no indication society or the victim has been more protected from the one still in jail than the one who posted bail. I, I, I don't follow his thinking there. I think that the victim of the one who still remains in jail is safer than the victim of the one who got out. Thank Wouldn't you. that stand to reason? <laughs> that was the point I was going to make, yeah. And then he goes on to say, it's grossly unfair. I believe oh, good. <laughs> I believe Orput uh, and a Washington County Sheriff were the ones who refused to uh, press any charges against John Thompson for his criminal behavior at Bob Kroll's house in August. Well, that explains his point of view. Ellison said there are numerous repercussions when a person is held in jail. Yes, there is. That's why there's jail. Until their criminal case is over. They can lose their job. Yeah, that'll happen if you're a criminal. They can lose their home. Yeah, that can happen if you're a criminal. Their parental responsibilities are disrupted. And even if that person is later acquitted or given a probationary sentence, the repercussions could land them right back in jail because they are unemployed or homeless. We are not lawyers who are just zealous advocates, Ellison said. We want a just result. The goal is to direct public safety and ensure court appearances. It is not to punish people. Here are the crimes where bail will not be requested. Brace yourself, GLers. I mean, hold on to your chair. Hold on, let me pour a drink. Hold on to your butt. Fifth degree sale or possession of narcotics. Theft under $35,000. Theft of a motor vehicle. Forgery, damage to property, fraudulent identification or driver's license, possession of burglary or theft tools, identity theft, mail theft, possession of a stolen or counterfeit check, possession of shoplifting gear, dishonored check, insurance fraud, fourth degree sale of possession of narcotics, counterfeiting, sales of simulated controlled substances, wrongly obtained public assistance, Wrongly obtaining unemployment benefits and 19 lottery fraud. 
Are there any on that list you agree with? None. What? What the hell? What, what we're being asked to believe is that these are crimes that could victimize the perpetrator by merely jailing the perpetrator. That's what we're being asked to believe. Now, we just had 40 arrests in a carjacking sting. Well, isn't a carjacking the theft of a motor vehicle? So they're walking around already. Well, if it was January 1st, they'd be out today. Oh, right, right, right. January 1st. I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine they all are out. Is it theft of a motor vehicle? Uh, yeah. Isn't carjacking yes. a theft of a motor yes. vehicle? Yeah. Well, that's on this list. That's there be no bail will be requested for that. But it's it's got to be more than just theft of a, a, a motor vehicle. I, I mean, because it's violently taking it from somebody. So it's got to be that and more, doesn't it? But think well, of you guys. Look at that list of crimes Joe just laid out. Every single one of those, nearly every single one of those crimes that Joe laid out is a personal attack on another human being, meaning well, you're not stealing from a, a corporation or from an entity. You're stealing from another individual. Identity See, the reason theft, I, yeah. Chris, the reason I asked Joe if he agreed with all of them, because I'm just wondering about 12 and 13 dishonored check insurance fraud, uh, lottery fraud, um, wrong well, here, for here, okay. public assistance, you know... Uh, if I could, I could get oh. wishy-washy on those, I can get I can get wishy-washy if you could demonstrate to me that the dishonored check was held by a virtuous soul with no criminal record. Right, I, my mind automatically jumped to some poor bastard uh, three four days before payday who's right. just flat ass broke and needs a half a tank of gas. Um, and now his checks na- uh, mailed uh, taped to the window of the liquor store. <laughs> Right, or if you're a moron like me, you you don't balance your checking account. You know, yeah, one of those yeah. deals. That's why I was thinking that way. But identity theft, that one, I how can we get behind that? I can't. Oh, that's awful. That's the yeah. that's the number one that, rising crime in America ruins, right now. Yeah, it ruins lives. Yeah, damage to property. Theft what? under thirty five grand. Yeah, I can take come uh, on thirty four thousand dollars from you. Hey, stop! We're at thirty four nine. Stop no right bail. now. No bail. Will be oh. required. Oh my God! Now again, what if it's theft of thirty-four thousand dollars from you at gunpoint? I don't know if they're still gonna go soft on that or what. How how am I gonna steal thirty-four thousand dollars unless I have some means of violence? I think we can rightfully assume that they're gonna go soft on all of this and more. I mean, all this does is remind me of the de. Uh, de- criminalization did i get that right Mm -hmm. of of hard drugs in seattle you know Mm -hmm. i know mike freeman fairly well he's you do yeah he's not a nutcase by any stretch of the imagination he's not no he's not and uh i'm i'm shocked at this ellison's beliefs don't surprise me but freeman's do well, it'd be fun to talk to Mike then. We can, I didn't we can. realize you knew we him. We can't. Yeah, a good another friend, Chuck Leshevsky, is his uh, spokespeople. We can. Let me see if oh. I have his number. Hey, so let me let me just try to get in the mind here of, of of this insanity. Is this in some way them trying to send a message to law enforcement saying, "Okay, don't focus on that crime. 
focus on the more severe crimes because th- that's of the utmost importance to, oh. to protect oh, the citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. And I hate thinking yeah. that way, but is that where their head is at? I, I hope so, because at least that, that would be a head in the right direction. Wait, I think what? there's more. I think there's more of that in this reduction of bail than there is in the belief that lawlessness shall uh, will be tolerated. I, I let's give Mike Freeman the benefit of the doubt. It's not that he believes lawlessness should be tolerated. It's he believes that uh, you know we only got enough jail room and let's make sure we get the rapists and the murderers. Wait a minute, I'm confused. So instead of focusing on the guy that, uh, you know, wrote a bad check, go get the guy that, you know, with for attempt, you know, stop wasting time on petty stuff for law enforcement. But these people, if you steal 34-9, you need to get entered into the system. Even if you're bounced out right away, I want a record of that. Well, here, of the 19... Uh, Theft under thirty-five grand, I think that should require bail. Theft of a motor vehicle, why should that not require bail? Right. Property damage. Right. Well, again, is it the extent of the property damage? Is it intentional? If it's intentional, you know. That this is just a, unfortunately, despite possibly Freeman's reasonable intentions i don't think ellison has any reasonable intentions about anything so i'll leave him out of it but 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 freeman uh, if if this is the result of reasonable intentions he it still could get out of his hands and it could go in the direction of what they're proposing in seattle which is the poverty defense i get to steal your car because i'm either uh i'm either broke mentally ill or a drug addict so i get to steal your car right that's where we're headed Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it wasn't in the Star Tribune. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm seeing, when I went to the Hennepin County Attorney press releases page, this came out last Wednesday? Did we not see this in the newspaper last Wednesday? Uh, The date that I have of this copy that you uh, texted me was yesterday. Was yesterday. No, today. Today. Today's the 16th. Maybe this is only being announced today. According to mine, it's last Wednesday. Hmm. Well, it says, Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman announced a list of crimes for which he will no longer request bail at a news conference Wednesday afternoon. Well, that that has to be last Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, we missed this. Jeez Louise. I blame Hype. I blame John. Yeah, he didn't have it in his news, did he? Come on, John. John get it John's going to call back and say, you guys don't listen to my news, do you? I had this right away. Well, he might, he might very well have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just saw it yesterday, and I was shocked, especially since I just watched the uh, Seattle piece. So uh, I, got a, I got a text from a friend of mine that says, let me get this straight. Your guy, Walls, <laughs> he says, is going to allow bars and restaurants to open at 50% capacity for outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. Does he know it's December? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, come on down. You could sit outside and have yourself. Yeah, there's, <laughs> Chris, there's a rumor floating around that gyms are going to get the okay, too. Yeah, that's that's what I said. Well, let me ask you something. <laughs> uh, let's say you have a, a, a restaurant and you have a nice patio. If you put up 
uh, plastic walls all around the outdoor patio and you get the correct heat in there, would that would that pass muster or will you now be considered back inside? I would assume you'd be outside, but Joe, those tents aren't cheap. No, I know. And these places are already not getting by. I, I know of a place that was considering a, a tent uh, and it was 40 grand for a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, that, that's not even I've worth doing that. I've got to get into that business. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, the tent business. Yeah, you want a rent tent? Rent a tent. I'm going to need all that. <laughs> Soul man's rent a tent. You put that. up, we take down. Because <laughs> you can have all the heaters you want. If it's 20 below, you're not going to have a very successful outdoor well, dining and experience. And Kenny mentioned this yesterday, but not to mention the fact that that's, and that you're trying to cater to the people that would still find it safe to even go to your establishment right now. Right. It makes no sense for restaurants to invest in that kind of infrastructure. That's dumb. No, but I'd return to a restaurant in a heartbeat if I could sit outside comfortably. If they got, if they can figure out the heating, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Really? Yep. Okay. Food loses something in transit. I would have much preferred to eat a uh, 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 short rib pot pie at 30 bales and wait two hours to eat it. So would have Carl from Eli. Yeah, that's his problem. But uh, Sorry, Carl. You deprived him. Jeez, Louise, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. World leaders should declare a climate emergency in their countries to spur action to avoid catastrophic global warming. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said in opening remarks of a climate summit on Saturday. On the fifth anniversary of the 2015 Paris Agreement, more than 70 world leaders are due to address the one-day virtual meeting in the hope of galvanizing countries into stricter actions on global warming emissions. Guterres said that current commitments across the globe do not go far enough to limit temperature rises. Can anybody still deny that we are facing a dramatic emergency, Guterres said? Yes, me. That is why today I call on all leaders worldwide to declare a state of climate emergency in their countries until carbon neutrality is reached. Can't be done. So far, the members of the G20 are spending 50% more in their stimulus and rescue packages on sectors linked to fossil fuel production and consumption. Uh, this is unacceptable, Guterres said, whatever his name is. The trillions of dollars needed for COVID recovery is money that we are borrowing from future generations. We cannot use these resources to lock in policies that burden future generations with a mountain of debt on a broken planet, he added. This is all about uh, taking money from the United States, if you want to know the truth. Uh, in an interview published in the New Zürcher Zeitung on 14 November 2010, Otto Edenhofer co-chair of the IPCC Working Group, said, The climate summit in Cancun at the end of the month is not a climate conference, but one of the largest economic conferences since the Second World War. One must say clearly that de facto we, distribute, we redistribute the world's wealth by climate policy. One has to get rid of the illusion that international climate politics have anything to do with environmental concerns. And Angela Merkel said the Paris Agreement is not just any agreement, but it is a central agreement for the shaping of globalization. Uh, Jordy sent me this. Uh, 1967, we were to have dire famine by 1975. Right. 1969, everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam by 1989. Oh, man, did that happen? Yep. 1970, it ice sure age did. by the year 2000. <laughs> That 1970, happened too. <laughs> yeah, 1970, America subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. 
1971, new ice age coming. 1972, new ice age coming. 1974, new ice age coming fast. 1976, the cooling. 1978, no end in sight to 30-year cooling trend. 1980, acid rain kills life in lakes. 1988, James Hansen forecast increase in regional drought. 1988, Maldives completely underwater for 30 years. 1989, rising seas to obliterate nations by the year 2000. 1989, New York City's West Side Highway underwater by 2019. In the year 2000, children won't know what snow is. 2002, <laughs> famine in 10 years. 2004, Britain to have Siberian climate by 2020. 2008, Arctic will be ice-free in 2018. 2008, Al Gore warns of ice-free Arctic by 2013. 2009, Prince Charles says only eight years to save the planet. 2009, UK Prime Minister says 50 days to save the planet from catastrophe. 2009, Arctic ice-free by 2014. 2013, Arctic ice-free by 2015. 2013, Arctic ice-free by 2016. 2014, only 500 days before climate chaos. It's all BS, folks. It has nothing to do with the environment. It's a means to punish Western civilization, take your money and redistribute it around the world, and a rich, rich ruling class will survive. There you have it, folks. There it is. Mm-hmm. It has nothing mm. to do with the environment. Nothing. I've nope. said this for 15 years. There's nothing I know more in my heart than this is absolute BS. It's absolute BS. Joe, yesterday I learned of a small-town restaurant bar in outstate Minnesota. I won't say where or how I learned of it for obvious reasons. They continue to be open for dine-in service. People I know were planning on getting takeout, called, and were told they could come in. On arrival, they questioned if they were open. They noticed no lights on, and there was just one car parked nearby. They called one more time, questioning if they were able to come in, and again, the restaurant confirmed, yes, we're open. So they went in. The place was indeed up and running. People at tables, lights on, uh, not full, but busy enough for a small town. During their dinner, this couple discovered that the windows had been blacked out and that most people walked a bit just to prevent unwanted attention and to try to prevent a nosy neighbor from turning them in. Happy motoring, Wally from Wichita. Boy, this is like uh, prohibition, isn't it? You know what, I was thinking the same thing. You know what we're going back to? Yeah. Speakeasies, speakeasies, and the secret knock. You're going to yes. need the secret knock. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Come on in, Joel. <laughs> got your table ready for you. Oh, my God. We're going back to the speakeasies. That guy will have the little square door that he looks out through the window and says, Yeah, you're okay. Come on in. There's a bar like that I know of off the snowmobile trail. Somewhere in Wisconsin. We're uh, we're still smoking in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! It's going back to the days of the speakeasy. Yeah. That is something. That is something. Can we uh, take a break and be joined by uh, Bill Dolman, news director of uh, KOMO out in Seattle? We certainly can. But first, Joe, I want to tell you about our friends at the Chill Boys and ChillBoys.com, the most comfortable underwear that you, yes, you will ever own. A lot of GLers have made the switch. The entire cast of characters here in Garage Logic have made the switch. 
and it's gift-giving season. Make Chill Boys a part of your routine and order today. Here's the best part about going and ordering online at chillboys.com. Whether it's the bamboo boxer briefs or any other of their fantastic products, comfortable t-shirts, sunglasses, and more, if you order and spend more than $40, well, that order will ship fast and free throughout the entire United States. They've been a great find here in Garage Logic, and they are so happy that all of you jailers have decided to make the switch. Go online, place your order with the best customer service team around, led by Julie, and please tell them that you heard about it right here on the Garage Logic podcast. University of Garage Logic 98, College of Self Esteem, Zip, Nada, Nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Oh, nothing more fun than casting aspersions like uh, at Reavers. Reavers buys all the meatloaf from Grundhoffers. Uh, and at Such, Such buys all the pot pies from 30 Bales. And truth be told, I'd buy all the 22, 223, and 40 cal rounds from DK Mags if I could. Dot, dot, dot. You know, uh, with all this talk, in the news and social about the future of the Second Amendment and uh, how folks dwelling on the third rail, they'd really love to amend our rights. And as we know, if we're firearm owners, that drives up demand for guns and ammunition. It affects supply and demand. Uh, thankfully, we all have DKMags.com on Old 8 up in New Brighton and Monticello Pawn and Gun that keep us supplied, stocked, and informed. Firearms, yes, of course, all varieties, ammunition, but here's that caveat, uh, GLers, and you already know this if you're a gun owner. Depending on the load you're looking for, you might not be able to get the quantity you think you might need. We've got to save some for all of us. Accessories, oh boy, they have oodles and oodles of accessories, and that is where the great gift ideas come in. Uh, range finders, a wonderful toy. Um, optics, scabbards, tack lights, cases, safes. I could go on and on. There's all sorts of shooting accessories to be had at DK Mags. Special orders, easy, fun, and what's better than tracing, tracing your order and then receiving the call from DK Mags saying, hey, get your butt over here, your firearm is in. You can check out all the firearms at dkmags.com, or better yet, stop in. Either go to DK, Old 8, New Brighton, or Monticello Pawn and Gun, Mr. Sushara. Take it away. We're joined by Bill Dahlman, the news director of KOMO Television in Seattle. Hello, Bill. How you doing, Joe? How are you? When, when were you in the Twin Cities? Well, I was born and raised in the Twin Cities. Uh, I read your columns. When I was in diapers, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Uh, and then, uh, actually, early in my career, I was at KSCP for okay. five years, yep. uh, where I was a producer, and then uh, went off and saw some other parts of the world, um, came back to Fox 9 in 2006, was news director there for about seven and a half years until Fox Sports in L.A. stole me away, uh, and now I'm uh, out here on the West Coast at uh, Como and uh, loving life in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're calling, of course, because of the documentary, The Fight for the Soul of Seattle, which was a follow-up to Seattle is Dying, and they're both extraordinary. And what we're wondering is, why aren't these types of pieces being done in every big city in the country where I think they could be done? Well, I think there's, um, 
I am blessed with a an anchor, Eric Johnson, who you know really prefers to let this work speak for itself. It was a nine ten months process, and he poured his soul into it. And as you can imagine, there's some blowback. So he he's letting me do his speaking for him. But right. uh, you know, first of all, I'm blessed with him. He's an amazing writer, and and, and he's a he's a multi-decade resident here and has watched it deteriorate to the point where he just feels like he has to say something in a different type of way. Um, our n- normal news reporting hits on this every single day, but to go to the extraordinary lengths that we've gone to, uh, that's one thing. Uh, and then the second is to have the support of, you know, your corporation and your uh, your ownership to be able to do something as compelling as Putting on a ninety-minute commercial-free documentary, there's it's pretty amazing support to be able to do something like that. How it's been years since I've been in Seattle, and what I'm curious about is what is the size of the geographical area that has been described in the documentary. In other words, well, is it is it? In other words, is it limited yeah. strictly to downtown? It's not like. Um, there's a skid row. Uh, it, it is proliferated everywhere, and that's part of why we felt the follow-up uh, was so important to do the fight for the soul of Seattle, because the policies are allowing this to proliferate every single place. I live five blocks from the station right by the Space Needle, and there are tents right outside uh, you know, our place. And the people that live in them don't bother us, um, and we don't bother them. And it's not, I don't feel dangerous. I walk to work. I say hello to, to people in tents as I, as I walk here. But it's just not compassionate. It's not humane. It's not right. Uh, you know, that's what people in Seattle are trying to tell this council. And they're running an experiment on our time with our money. And I think the point of our documentaries is, if you think this is working, take a look outside because everywhere you go, there are these encampments. Now, when you talk about the chop, which was you know a famous uh, thing this summer where it was actually taken over, it was a six-block area, not a large space. But the fact that you know the city leaders sort of celebrated a six-block area being taken over uh, is is amazing to to behold how would you define the experiment they're conducting how would you define that experiment what exactly is the experiment what happens when you allow people who are distressed or compromised or addicted to do whatever they want without consequence without prosecution without uh without uh you know putting them away and what and and what will occur uh if you if you if you from the top down uh don't impose any sort of compelled treatment or forced uh, difference in the behavior. You let it proliferate and hope that it's okay. How did your city end up with such an ideological mess 
rising to city council seats. Well, and as they point out to us, they were voted in. I think you have, I mean, Seattle is a small geographic area. It's very packed in here. It's not like the Twin Cities, you know, where I grew up and Minneapolis and St. Paul are, are, you know, together, but separate, obviously. And Seattle is, is a compact area that attracts people of a certain moral and political character, and there's a pride in that. It's always been a progressive area and tried new things and done, done different approaches. And I think you have a, I will call it, very incentivized um, progressive movement in Seattle that has elected two people who are actually socialists, part of the Socialist Party, and other council members who believe that there are different solutions to problems than the traditional law and order and um, you know locking people up. They want to try other things. But what what is really the crux of the problem here is when you mix in the addiction and the mental health problems, now you've got something that people with those proclivities call free addle. They know they can live here. They know no one will bother them. They know even if they're arrested, they'll be let out immediately. The kids that are protesting know that if they bust a window, they'll get arrested for two hours and they'll be back the next night. So they're isn't any reason to not do whatever you want to do in Seattle. And that's the crux of our um, assertions in the fight for the soul of Seattle. Where can this possibly lead? <laughs> what, what do you see down the road if this doesn't get yeah. taken care of? Well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's awful to see you it's such a beautiful area and there's so much money and so much wealth here that, you know, the spending isn't the problem. We have $150 million set aside in Seattle alone in the 2020 budget. King County has millions more, but the people in charge of the money aren't changing their approach despite what, I think most people would say are clearly diminishing results and what, you know, what passes for compassion seems to be cruelty in most people's eyes to your question of what will change it. I guess the ebb and flow of political elections, eventually people will be so fed up with this uh, that, that they'll understand that this approach isn't working or perhaps the people that are um, on the city council, who we pointed out, said something different than what they're doing. Um, maybe they will change their approach and, and understand that that they have to they have to relook at this and they have to do something to compel the distressed people to get treatment, to get help, to do something other than live on the street, shoot drugs, steal things sell what they can to get the next high because that's what's happening help me remember something from the first documentary seattle is dying didn't uh 
Didn't you find a building that would have made a good facility for some revolutionary new kinds of treatment? Uh, help me remember yeah. that. It was an abandoned yeah, something. Well, absolutely. It was. It was a. It was an old. It was an old prison on an island, and uh, you know what? What we said was that why not? Why not put people on this McNeil Island in this old abandoned prison and get them extensive treatment, extensive counseling, extensive. You know, drive them out, give them skills, give them training, compel them to stay, uh, and make them you know, feel good about themselves again, wouldn't that be a place where we could allocate resources and maybe do some, you know, do some positive things? So, yeah, McNeil Island was the first place that we talked about in terms of how you could compel people. And then in this documentary, The Fight for the Soul of Seattle, uh, you know, Eric proposes, Eric Johnson, our anchor, proposes uh, a mythical place called Hope Haven, Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's an abandoned mall. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a warehouse. Maybe it's, uh, who knows, a place where you compel people to go to give them these services and match them up rather than currently what we do is someone from the city goes into the parks or the places that the underpasses and, and asks if anyone would like to be matched up with the services that we all pay for and most of them say no, that they would rather live, you know, free to do what they want to do. They don't like the shelters. They don't like, um, you know, to, to be forced into these things. And, again, we're not talking about, we're not talking about people who are down in their luck or who lost a job and, and you know, are, are, are doing the best they can to get back into the workforce. We're talking about a small portion of people who, unfortunately, are, addicted to drugs, uh, don't have, uh, you know, may, maybe they have mental health issues as well, and they don't have a path out of that. These are the people that we're, that we're talking about here, not, uh, you know, a family of four that is struggling at the food bank. Well, to your credit, your news team has come up with these potential solutions. Has the city council ever done so? No, and that's, I think that's, that's that's the frustration of our of our documentaries is we're pointing this out we're giving you ideas we're we traveled to rhode island to show a treatment program uh, that was compelled uh when people were sentenced to prison i remember that yeah we're documenting uh you know there's there's a guy that that calderon that we talked about who had 72 felony convictions who was let right back out again, and then the next time he attacks a, a guy on the street who has a two-year-old and throws coffee in the two-year-old's face. Oh my God. I mean, these are the types Jeez. of people that we're discussing that the, the city attorney says that jail, you know, jail doesn't help anyone, jail doesn't help anything, you know, we want to match them up with services. So a guy with 72 convictions, you know, matching him up with services rather than, you know, giving him... A hey, Bill, really quick. Joe had asked this when we were discussing this on, on Monday or Tuesday, and you're, you've been in the news business a long time. What would prevent or what's stopping ABC from picking this up and running it nationally? Because I, I, have, a, I have a sense that the vast majority of the American public would love to see this. 
It's an interesting question. I mean, you know, if they if they wanted to run it, I certainly would uh, have those discussions, and I wouldn't be averse to it at all. Um, you know, clearly they they do their own amazing work, and ever everybody does. Um, you know, I think it's fairly. Um, I feel very proud that as a local television station, we're committing our resources to a project like this. I think it's it's unique, and the fact that we've done it twice in two years, uh, you know, is is really um, breakthrough stuff. Uh, you know, so I would not at all be averse to that. I do think that you know, Seattle's dying had ten million views when you when you add it all up. And this one, you know, hopefully will will uh, be a multi-platform success as well. And uh, you know, but what, you know, certainly, if anybody wanted my assistance, I would be more than happy to to help them. With your knowledge of the Twin Cities, again, I'm getting back to the the geographical dynamic. Uh, make make the problem areas in Seattle analogous to Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, it would be as though blank. Could you do that for us? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I'll get to I'll get to my point of why why the Twin Cities don't have this issue in a second. But it, you know, it would be as if uh, downtown St. Paul, the core, were filled with tents everywhere you looked, all the way up to the Capitol, um, and in and, and in the you know near the rotunda, because these places right around city hall and right around the county government are absolutely the worst. You know, my son got married at the justice of the peace. There were two people peeing in trash cans that we walked by in our suits to, to get them, you know, to get them married. Um, There's multiple people hanging out, you know, with clothes in various spots of their body. I mean, you know, they're in distress. It is not compassionate to watch this occur. You know, they're walking through the middle of the street with no uh, idea of what's going on. Um, it, it, you know, it would be in Minneapolis as if, um, you know, the, the area around U.S. Bank, I guess, if that entire area were filled with campers and RVs and just people living in the conditions that they're living in. That, that's sort of geographically the issue. I think what, you know prevents the Twin Cities from a similar situation is simply the weather in that here it's very mild all year long. You know, the, the hottest it gets in the summer is in the 80s and the, the coldest it gets in the winter. It snows a little bit, but not much, but, it, you know, it gets down in the 50s and 40s. So you've got mm. a situation where it's, it's not untenable to live outside, and people do, and they're, you know, that's what they choose because then they can do the things they want in their own lifestyle without anyone bothering them, and literally nobody bothers them. So, Bill, this sounds like it's the Pioneer Square kind of area of downtown. Pioneer Square uh, is problematic, definitely in Seattle. Um, and then, if as you go up from Pioneer Square along Third and Fourth Avenues toward toward uh, the county building and city hall uh that, that's also a problem spot okay. and then up on capitol hill which is a uh, a very uh progressive neighborhood you know much like sort of the resurgence of northeast uh, minneapolis or or maybe the the Hennepin lakes area that kind of spot you know sure 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 those kind of 
that kind of vibe, you know, which is an amazing vibe. I love it there. I always have. And, and I love it on Capitol Hill. But they took this six-block area around the precinct and around Cal Anderson Park, which they were supposed to sweep today, and turned it into, you know, an enclave uh, where, um, you know, there, there are lots of distressed people. And then now add into that, you've got defenders of them who are sort of more of the, the nightly protestor uh, types uh, that some would call anarchists, some would call Antifa, whatever you want to, you know, tell that tell the, they put labels on them. And now they're defending the people who are living in the tents. So now you've got this mix of distressed people along with people who want to make a point and who are more than willing to vandalize and uh, break things uh, to do so. So it's, it's a very um, interesting mix from a news standpoint. Hmm. You, in the documentary, we learned that Seattle has a city council member named Lisa Herbold, and she uh, apparently is authoring a new poverty, mental illness, drug addict as a defense for misdemeanor crimes. That's not compassion. She's an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. Don't you think? Don't you think you ought to be able to, to steal anything you want? No, as, I don't. As long as, yeah. as long as you can prove that it was because you were um, poor or hungry. Right. That's what's happening. And look, look. You know, if I was hungry and my family, you know, I might steal too. And so I feel awful for all these people. But yeah, how silly. I mean, imagine trying to own a store or run a business. I mean, there there are giant swaths of downtown that, and we documented this, of course, that are empty now because so much is broken and stolen that you can't make it. You know, Columbia has pulled out, the sportswear company. Um, we did an electronic bike shop where it's a man's dream, you know, to open up in downtown Seattle, which he loved. It's gone. The entire Macy's building, which is six floors high, is empty uh, because so much was stolen and so much was broken. I mean, this is not a tenable situation, uh, yet, you know, uh, th- that those are the solutions that the city council is coming up with is, you know, uh, look the other way on all the crimes and, and um, you know, don't punish people for anything. Yeah. That borders on them being evil as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I, I you know, I know them. I've talked to them. I don't, I don't ascribe any evil motives to them. I think they have a, an approach and an outlook that they are committed to. And, again, they have the fact that they were voted in and they believe they have a mandate and they, they think that they are representing uh, uh, an approach that they have a mandate to, to enact. It doesn't work, Bill. You guys have proven it. It doesn't work. Seems to be the, it seems to be the case. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think what we're trying to do is open, open their eyes to the fact that, you know, let's adjust this at least at the very least, let's adjust this. Sir, we appreciate your time. It was good chatting with you. Well, I'm always happy to, to, to talk, and I'm a huge fan uh, you know, of you and, and uh, your work and, and all, that, uh, all that happens in the Twin Cities. I, I love it there, and I miss it there. And uh, you know, say hi to all my, uh, my friends and coworkers over the years. We will. Thank you. Bill Dahlman, thank you very much.
news director. Yeah, news director at KOMO in Seattle. Uh, doesn't sound like it's going to get any better there, does it? I didn't realize that Columbia had pulled mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Well, he made it analogous. Imagine downtown St. Paul, the uh, first national bank building, and that whole area around there, tents, and then running up uh, Cedar or uh, Robert Street all the way to the Capitol filled with tents. And he's right. These are people that are suffering, and they're not getting any compassion from these mysterians in the city council. They have taken absolutely the most backwards approach to it possible. It's just a shame. It it really is just a shame because here you have a news outlet that offered up more help and more advice and more ideas on how to curb this problem than the people that are supposed to be doing it and the people that were elected to do it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Bill Gates ever involves himself in this. Uh, Bill Dahlman mentioned that it's a terribly wealthy area of the country. I'm, I'm not saying that Bill Gates is responsible for for solving this, but but he you know, would have, have that, an interest in in keeping the safety and the sanity of that city for sure. And, and who's the who's the tech guy that owns the Seahawks? Uh, that's your Paul guy, Allen? Paul Allen. Yes, uh, is he still alive? Yes. Okay. I, Wouldn't he have an interest in this? In other words, you you could tap some pretty big hitters out there to bring that island facility into fruition that mm-hmm, they talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Maybe they're pursuing that. I, I have no idea. It's just fascinating. Thank you. May we take a time out for water, please? Why not? Let's do that. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, and he has a question for you. Do you know what you own? Well, Mr. Money Talk's clients, well, they do know what they own. You see, Josh has found that most people that he meets with every day, they don't know. He has seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that these bonds currently yield. So know what you own. And later today, here in Garage Logic. Mr. Money Talk's got some great news as it relates to one of his favorite companies that's relating to fruit, question mark? Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. So please, take it from me that you can trust Josh. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation. Yes, it's free. Give him a call today at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Cancer, the word nobody wants to hear. Worrying about your legal rights should not be the first thing you deal with when faced with a cancer diagnosis. But you do have legal rights. Many people are unaware their cancer may be related to exposure on their job. Asbestos, benzene, and cleaners are among many chemicals that cause cancer. Let the lawyers at CancerLaw.com help your family with medical bills, lost wages, and funeral expenses. Passionate, experienced Minnesota lawyers at CancerLaw.com can help you focus on your health and family. Visit CancerLaw.com. <laughs> Did you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Joe Suchere. Did you see the uh, videos that John Height sent out of Dylan Height recording music? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Not as fantastic as a Grunhofer's meatloaf. I'll tell you what. But pretty damn fantastic. Pretty damn fantastic. Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats in Hugo, the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. Where else? 
There's no meatloaf uh, watch or warning currently under effect. That could change at any minute. Reavers is duty-bound to give us that. You know, I know I'm in love with the Grunhofer meatloaf. You know what their most underrated product, in my opinion, is? What? The giant porchetta roast. Ooh. It's it's huge and it's good. I mean, it'll feed it'll feed your family. You can put that on your family. But it's so easy because all you what I've done a couple times is I freeze it and then I just throw it in the crock pot and it's you know you let it roast during a Vikings game. You got Sunday night dinner taken care of. It's really good. Well, plus keep them in mind for your Christmas dinner: prime rib and steaks and tomahawk steaks and ham and. You name it, the brats for the hors d'oeuvres. It's really, it has become an incredible go-to destination for GLers to the point where Spencer's adding on. And I said yesterday, we'll work on this. We should have a little function out there in May or June, huh? Absolutely. When uh, when that opens back up again. We had fun the one time we were out there a year ago or so. When Spencer fired off the cannon. Scared the hell out of me. (laughs) He didn't fire off a cannon. He lit a half a stick of dynamite. That's what it was. That's what it was. It's a fun place. It's great, great meat, great food. It's uh, Spencer Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats in uh, downtown or downtown Hugo, right at the north end of downtown Hugo on Highway 61. <clears throat> Only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India. From Tom Lyman. It was on this day in 1884 that machinist... William H. Fruin of Minneapolis has issued the first U.S. patent for an automated liquid dispensing vending machine, which which discharges a uniform amount of liquid from a reservoir when a coin is placed in the slot. slot. An enthusiastic fisherman, Fruin had settled earlier in the year at the western edge of the city and begun excavating near his home for the construction of a fish pond in which to keep his catch fresh for eating. The discovery of a pure spring in a glen led Fruin to sell jugs and then coolers of fresh water and found the Glenwood Springs, now Glenwood Inglewood Water Company. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. You know, there's a brewery right next to the one now in in Apple Apple Valley, in Golden Valley. Isn't there? I did not know that. Yeah, I think there is. Uh, In 1889 on this day, December 16th, the Minneapolis Public Library opened with Herbert Putnam as librarian. Under an agreement with the Minneapolis Athenaeum, the Public Library Board provides a building and staff to lend the Athenaeum's books, thereby making them available to the citizens of Minneapolis. I'm seeing a guy with the little round John Lennon glasses <laughs> and kind of wispy hair and yeah. a, a very tight wool suit. Because uh, back then, librarians weren't leading up the mystery, were they? No, they were not. Well, our thanks to uh, Bill Dolman. I thought that was fascinating to talk to that guy. He was pretty good. And did, and, did it uh, restore any hope, Joe, or did no, it uh, give no. you more doubt? No, I, I, unless that uh, complete political class is wiped out of uh, Seattle, they have no hope. Uh, they're conflating compassion with uh, enabling, and it's not working. No. And, I, you know, the one thing I took issue with is he said, at least you don't have to do, deal with it here meaning in the Twin Cities, to which I say, Bill, you've been gone for too long. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's happening here. Winter will help, but we are headed down the same road precisely because we have the same kind of political activists who have won these council seats. Yep.
And no, no more evident than the video we played, uh, the KSDP video we played earlier today. Oh, mother of God. Just Elvis. gibberish. Just, just complete gibberish. Absolute nonsense. By the did way, I will post that entire thing to the Garage Logic Facebook page for the jailers that want to check that out. Did we lose Kenny? Yeah, I think Kenny's internet went out on him, so he, he dropped off towards the tail end of your interview with Mr. Dolman. All right, very good, GLers. Thank you. Yeah, have a great one. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, all this month, by the way, you can win a Garage Logic flag just by listening to GL with the Pod MN app. Download it on your Apple or Android device today and subscribe to GL on YouTube. GLers, we have a goal that we'd like to get to. 5,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and only you are going to be able to help us get there. Just search Garage Logic on YouTube or find the link to our channel on garagelogic.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the links to all of our social media accounts also at the website garagelogic.com. We'll chat with you tomorrow. His name is Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk is on the line with us right now, and you should give him a call today for that free 48-minute consultation at 952-925-5608. Josh has been doing this a long time. He is always going to give you straight talk. He's never going to give you sugar-coated advice. He's on the line with us right now. Josh, we've got big news in the world of technology relating to Apple, don't we, today? Big news relating to my favorite fruit company, Apple, (laughs) which is leading the Dow up $4 a share, trading at $126 a share just $10 under its all-time high reached just after a 4 to 1 split earlier this fall. Apple did not announce, but one of the trackers of Apple, the Nikkei News, found that Apple is planning on manufacturing 96 million phones in the first half of next year, which is 30% higher than what they had manufactured this year over the same period of time. Demand for the new Apple 12, and there are four models, is exceeding I do believe even Apple's expectations. Apple at one time generated the bulk of their revenues from their phone sales and still many analysts look at Apple as a phone company, not a more diversified company. Currently, almost half of Apple's revenues are coming from their services and small device side, not just their phones. Their services business continues to ramp up and if it were separated out from their hardware business would be a S&P 200 company just on you know revenues alone that's apple does remain say my favorite company and i see a potential for got a price target on apple at 200 dollars a share don't know whether that's going to be within the next year or over the next 18 months risks of course to apple and other large technology companies such as amazon remain in my view political indeed uh, the european union is throwing out some more rules aimed at curtailing a large technology company. I still do not believe that they are monopolies because you do have a choice of other products and services. That being said, a great, not only a stocking stuffer, the holiday present would be an Apple device. One other thing, because I know, Chris, you're into fitness. Absolutely. Apple's new fitness app. You do need to have an iWatch for is going to be a huge winner and generate some nice subscription 
subscription revenue to Apple. And unfortunately, these fitness apps, whether it's from Apple or you get a Peloton or Echelon or other applications that are there for home fitness have taken a big acceleration and a move away from people going to the gym during this during this pandemic, and I'll just call it a government-mandated recession. And that's the kind of focused approach that you're going to get each and every time that you speak with Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Do it today. Give him a call for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Mr. Money Talk, thanks for the time. We'll chat again in a couple of days. Look forward to it. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.